That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, uh, there you are in Manhattan, which is a pretty crazy place right now as we're recording for the second Sunday after Pentecost, June 14th. Father's Day will be coming up as people listen to this, not quite yet, but coming up. It's in the middle of summer, and it is a crazy summer. It'll be a summer the history books talk about, and uh, of course, we're all talking about it now. We got a presidential election, a global pandemic, riots, and protests related to questions about race and equity. But how are you doing? I'm pretty uh, stressed out. So much for quarantining. You know, we should be uh, kind of social distancing, but nobody is doing that anymore because everybody is outside, um, yeah, protesting. And uh, I'm literally in the the heart of it. So uh, um, everything's taking place. A lot of the things that are happening that you see on the news are taking place at Union Square, which is uh, four blocks away from my church and my apartment. And um, so, yeah, it's very real and uh, thinking a lot about these things. And so... Um, yeah, what interesting times we live in. I keep uh, I keep thinking I hear Jesus coming back, and then I look up and it's only a police helicopter. So, eh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does say he'll be coming, you know, on the clouds, yeah. but uh, he, I'll forgive you that mistake, yeah. uh, common mistake. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's in a, not in a in, not in a mohawk like what is it, tomahawk helicopter? I yeah, think that's also yeah. well. He, they didn't know what those were back <laughs> those then. Those are the so great he, locusts. Like, when he said clowns. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So here in Waco, Texas, we have had protests. It's quieter. I think both in terms of coronavirus and the protest, both have affected our community. But I think we, we sort of feel like we're we're watching it a little bit removed. But you are in the thick of it. And I'll say to our listeners, if you want to see some pretty amazing ministry, follow Calvary St. George, Jake's Church on social media and see what's going on when they're leading evening prayer in the context of protests. They, you guys were doing it inside for a while, but now you've been going outside. I see Ben DeHart mm-hmm. uh, out there and and you as well. So uh, some pretty incredible ministry. Yeah, Ben Ben DeHart, man, he, he gets, I mean, he's got some heart and he gets right into the thick of it. And so, um, and it's been amazing. We've been going down with our callers on and in the day, a lot of people come up to him and uh, come up to us for prayer, and um, yeah, I'm Ben DeHart. They ought to have a, a minor feast day dedicated to him someday. So anyway, um, <laughs> agreed. <clears throat> well, here we are in these readings, and you know it's funny when you and I started this podcast, Jake. The idea was we would have three whole. Uh, you know, go through the whole three-year cycle of the lectionary so that in the future, uh, listeners can come back and preachers uh, years from now can say, what should we preach on the second Sunday after Pentecost Mm -hmm. in year A? And if you are that listener listening to this many years in the future, I've been been thinking about this, how uh, contextually rooted these podcasts are because we cannot not deal with what's going on today in 2020. But nevertheless, hopefully there'll be some nuggets here that will carry on in the future because God's word is 
eternal, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's jump in here. That's a great point about preaching, and um, and uh, that's a great point about preaching is that you know there are eternal truths that come through the preacher, but a preaching is also extremely contextual. And it speaks to, if you're preaching well, then it speaks to the moment. And so on one mm. level, while the message is always timeless, like the beat is the same, the beat goes on as the song goes, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the context is fresh. So you never, di- you never divert from the gospel. Um, but um, you never change. That never changes. But it, the the surroundings of it can, and so and, right. and and they must in order for you to be fresh, you know. So um, good. Well, here we are with Genesis right. chapter eighteen, verses one through fifteen, and then in parentheses, just in case you don't want to uh, keep going, there is uh, twenty-one verses one through seven, and uh, essentially what's happening here, Aaron. This is a, an amazing, amazing passage. Well, we're picking up the Abraham story in the middle of it, and there's actually three books that if you're on track one in the lectionary, you'll be going through three books over the course of the summer, Mm -hmm. Genesis, uh, Romans, and Matthew. And you're kind of picking all of them up in the middle. We've just finished Trinity Sunday. We've just finished the season of Easter. And so uh, you may have to do some homework a little bit for your people if you want to tell them who Abraham is and why he's by the Oaks of Mamre and the whole sort of deal. But we're in this scene where Abraham is now old. He got a, He was already old when God called him. And now he's uh, even older now. It's been 25 years since that call. And uh, uh, when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he was worshiping the moon and sacrificing to idols and stuff like that. And God said, you're going to follow me. And he did. And he said, you're going to have a kid. And from that kid is going to come a huge number of people. And I'll make you a blessing to the whole world, which is God talk for I'm going to undo the damage that was done in Genesis 3 at the fall. I'm going to put everything back together and restore everything and redeem humanity. So that's Abraham's mission. That's what's on his vision board. and uh, But God has delayed in this plan. So there's Abraham, and these three men appear, uh, and they are not the three stooges. It's not the pet boys. Uh, <laughs> it is not three of the Jonas That's brothers, right. you know, the three that sing, That's and right. then there's like the fourth one that doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. It is, uh, it's an appearance of God. And uh, having come fresh off the uh, Trinity Sunday, you know, you can talk about that. And, you know, is it the Trinity? Well, the icons of the Trinity often represent Mm -hmm. this encounter here that Abraham has. Abraham would have thought it was sort of three angelic visitors. Who knows what it was? Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three angelic visitors, three divine beings. Clearly, it's God's messenger, God's uh, mouthpieces coming to talk with Abraham by the tree and to have some cakes, have some cakes, mm-hmm. have some beef, have a good, or actually veal, they take a cat. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, no, um, this is a very, this is a meal for a very important person. And, um, and, uh, he happens to be three. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yes. like, uh, I don't mm. know. So, Where have but, we heard uh, this before? so I think that's interesting. But the next thing though, is this encounter with Sarah. And as you said, it's, it's been 20 plus years since that first call, you know? I mean, and they were old when they first were called. And now uh, God says, hey, <clears throat> uh, 
I love it. They said to him, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, yep. they're in the tent. And then one said, I will surely return and in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And but I love this because Sarah doesn't believe, you know, and it, it, this yeah. is so absurd to her that she actually laughs. And uh, the truth is, is yep. that and this is this is a reflection of how we all are. You know, I mean, I've been thinking about this in light of everything that's going on and uh, the gospel and the promises of the gospel are absurd. Like we want healing in our nation. There's if it's up to us, we're all in big trouble. You know what I mean? If it's up to any of the clowns in Washington, we're all in big trouble. Um, <clears throat> What we need is the promise of God, for that's the power of God unto salvation. But you say that and people laugh. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People are like, are you kidding? You know, and so this is, the, this is sort of the same thing that's going on here, is that, hey, Sarah, the promise is coming true. Yeah. And um, uh, you can't help, but she can't help but laugh. But let me tell you, uh, her unbelief is not about to stop God's promises. And this, this is it. one of the good news of the passages. Come on. Is that so often we think something we do, some sort of decision we make, disqualifies us from the promise. But the fact is, and never forget this, is that God is not about to allow Sarah. God's not about to let Abraham. God's not allowed to let you have the final say when it comes to his promise of salvation and the redemption of the whole world. Which, you know, praise God, Abraham looks bad a lot in Genesis. He <laughs> lies to cover his butt and to uh, avoid harm coming to him, puts Sarah at risk in his lies. But here mm -hmm. we see Sarah also is a flawed human being. She oh, laughs, terrible. She she's laughs terrible. at God's promise. Oh, yeah, she was terrible. Let's not even get into her treatment of Hagar. Not Sammy Hagar. She was, she liked him. She was a big fan of Van Hagar, but not as yeah. much David Lee Roth. But uh, she, yeah, Sarah had her issues as well. Abraham and Sarah, both flawed human beings. And Sarah here laughs, doesn't believe God's promise, and then she's called on it because God always knows. And again, by the way, remember the reason we know that this these three people are God is because they come, they're having this conversation, and then in verse 13 it says, The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? So, anyways, that's how we know it's God. But um, it, it, she laughs, and then Sarah goes like, I didn't laugh. Like, it, it's just so honest in the portrayal of the yeah. flawed humanity. And as you say, even her unbelief, even her laughing doesn't change God's decision. He chose Abraham. You can't get away from God's love. You can't get away from God's mercy, both for these people as individuals and for us. I mean, all those who are, we all are children of Abraham and this son is born. And I love that his name is he laughs. And this is in the part that comes in the optional section. But uh, it's it's so wonderful to know that the name of one of our patriarchs is comes from the fact that somebody laughed out of disbelief of what God can do. It enshrines in the very name of the person, in the name that we bear to some extent, you know, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Uh, these are people who are flawed human beings. Uh, so anyways, I take great comfort in that, and I love it that his name is, he laughs. Yeah. I mean, I love it at the end. And then at the end, she goes, and who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son. In, I'll tell you who said it. Age. God said it. Yeah, absolutely. And when he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And what he has said is that you are his beloved child. 
and that despite what you see around you, uh, despite everything going around, he said it and it's happened and you're going to see him face to face. Yeah. And who would have thought, who would have thought we'd ever see God face to face, you know? Well, well who would have ever said he did? You know, Jake, you said how people laugh when you say that God is going to redeem the world and save us uh, and will heal our nation and heal our world in the midst of so much division and suffering right now. And people laugh at that idea. But I'll tell you what, God has already begun that work. Uh, Mm -hmm. The fact that there is that it's no longer legal to trade human beings as livestock as it was for centuries, often with the blessing of the church, implicit or explicit. The fact that women are seen as people with value, the fact that children are seen as people with value, all of that stuff, God has been at work. The, the, the Civil Rights Act passed in this country, God has been at work. Things have changed. And the reason for that at the root of it, and I'll, I'll buy a beer and argue with anybody who would say this, it's not because of Christianity. It's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And, That's right. Uh, anyways, end of soapbox. Amen. Unless you want to get up on here in this little soapbox with me. No, I, I'm going to stay down and move us to Romans chapter 5, verses All right. 1 through Good eight. man, so, good man. Let's get um, it going. This uh, Romans chapter 5, I mean, is really, um, we, are, we are in the center of the gospel here and what it is to be a Christian and uh, the real source of our hope that comes from this. Um, and this is an important passage to preach, especially as people are coming out of uh, covid uh, coming out of like kind of all of this, um, uh, all of this stuff that we are um, that we're facing, and so um, all of the racism, and it's and one of the things that I'm I'm finding even in my own self, just to talk from my own personal experience, just the over the last last couple of weeks, is that you know I'm as I come into grips with my own privilege, and I was telling Aaron this story earlier this week, there were like three literal police helicopters flying over my apartment for um, a week straight and I'm trying to watch a show and I'm like, and this sound that is intimidating after a while and it nags and grates at you just over and over. And I like leaned over to my, I like leaned over to my wife and our youth and family minister, uh, Chelsea was with us. And I just was like, I'm so sick of these helicopters flying over our head all the time. And, uh, Chelsea looked over at me and was like, this is how it is in a lot of African American neighborhoods all the time. And um, I just, it, it never dawned on me. And so then all of a sudden I've been like, kind of, I was going through this process of like, oh, well, what do I need to do to like, just be more aware of my own, you know, my own whiteness and my own privilege and all of these things, you know, trying to justify myself. And uh, why this passage is so important in the moment is because we need to remember as Christians, first and foremost, you have been justified before God. Hmm. And uh, this is what St. Paul is getting at. The word here, the justified by faith, justified is how God handles the evil that we are. He, He could come in and just decimate us all. But the way God handles the evil that we are is that he justifies us by faith. And it's because we are justified by faith, and you put that, replace faith with whatever you're placing it in, Jesus Christ, since you are justified by Jesus, we have peace with God. And when it says peace there, it's not in a hippie sense like we're seeing out on the streets of uh, New York, which my heart is there. 
what we are seeing is, is that we have peace with God in the sense of a clean conscience. Mm. You are when God says you've been justified by Jesus, that means you are innocent. I mean, that's a very powerful, powerful thing. And so then I can quit trying to justify myself and making sure that I fit in in front of Chelsea and and fit in in front of my wife and fit in in front of all of my other friends of people of color. And I can start kind of seeing things from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And I can start just seeing people as people. And I can start serving now people, not because um, like it'll make me feel better, but actually love flowing from the heart uh, just for the sake of my neighbor. But this right. is what's going this is what's going on and this is the grace as St Paul says in which we stand. This is a powerful passage to preach. Preach it next Sunday. It's really good because people need to hear this. Uh yeah, and you know one example I'm thinking of recently is what happened with Jimmy Fallon who it came out mm. that he had been in blackface doing an impersonation of Chris Rock on SNL several years ago. And 20 it years ago. Yeah, 20. Yeah, it didn't make news at the time. Uh, and it resurfaced recently. And people were telling Jimmy Fallon, you can't talk about it. Just ignore it. It'll go away. And Jimmy Fallon himself went and very emotionally went on the air and said, I feel like I have to talk about it. Uh, and I'm scared and I know I'm going to mess it up. But now I want to learn and I want to understand. And so he began a series of conversations to grow and learn. And what spoke to me there is here's a guy who knows he's going to mess this up, but he's he's some way finding a place to go forward. And I, I don't want to make a one-to-one correlation to Jimmy Fallon and the gospel. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things that happens when, when being a racist is the worst thing you can be, which is, it's a horrible thing. And because mm-hmm. of that, everybody says, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. And so they don't ever talk about it. They won't ever acknowledge the participation in the racist system. And here Jimmy Fallon is like, oh, you know what? I actually did do something really bad. And because of that, I need to... Um, now listen and learn. And uh, this is the thing. In verse 8 of this passage, God proves his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. While you were still a racist, while you still weren't woke, while you still didn't understand, while you were blind to the oppression and the privilege in the world and all that sort of stuff in the mm-hmm. system, while, you, while all those things were true, Christ died for you. And therefore, that means God loves you as you are in your incomplete understanding and your participation in unjust systems. And because of that, you're allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to say, okay, I don't get it. And now I want to move forward to understand because you are justified. And as you say, Jake, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Being woke is the new way to be justified. And it's a good thing to be aware of problems in the world and to be enlightened about what's actually happening. But human beings are sinful. And so even in our enlightenment, Oh my gosh, there's systemic racism. Oh, I'm learning about the history of of black and brown people in America. There's some real wrongs that need to be righted. And so you start learning those things, but then it becomes a competition, a way of putting people other down, down who aren't. So that's the, the, this idea of justification, this conversation we're having nationally, just another arena for us to see these dynamics at work. We'll take anything and use it as a way to make ourselves look better than other people. And the fear of not looking good in front of other people drives so much human behavior. I know that is such a good point. And then, but to reverse it, you know what I mean? You have a lot of like people like on the Missy other side that are, Yeah. Oh, I love that reference. <laughs> yeah, that is there you such go. a good reference. Not a Christian anyway, song. This one is dedicated to Missy Elliott, though. She is awesome. <laughs> Cause it's worth it. So, and I'm going to work it. So, <laughs> so, but, uh, <laughs> just lost five more listeners. I know anyway, but 
I was listening to somebody the other, like they were like, I am a racist. You know what I mean? As if like, it was like the woke justification taken to like the other, the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the worst. I, I'm the yeah, worst. And I just was like, that is not a good idea either. And uh, the problem is, is that, you know, the, the blindness to the whole thing. And then the, then the like blindness on the other side as well is really a reflection of kind of the damned if you do, damned if you don't, and a reflection of our actual view of the holiness of God. Mm. And like what, what when Romans 5 begins to really make sense, uh, since we've been justified by faith, is that when you really begin to see or hear and understand the holiness and the justice of God, and that actually um, that has all now been mediated for you through Jesus. And uh, this then, and, and it's, not, it's not an abstraction, it's not a concept, it's not that Jesus simply comes along and suffers with you, it is that Jesus has suffered for you. And that's, and that, the last line here, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, as you said, Christ died for us, that is what makes this not subjectively true, but objectively true. It takes it out of you. Love is outside of you. And it's like any sort of medicine that will heal the nation. It's not going to come from within. Mm. Medicine and healing always comes from without. Mm. It always comes from outside of us. And this is, this is what God is doing outside of us to heal us from the inside out. That's right. God has poured his love into our hearts with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We did not muster it up ourselves. God has poured it into our hearts. And and getting rooted in that, if you can have a congregation leave your church knowing that they are filled with God's love, don't make your, if, if you are a white preacher at a white congregation, making your people feel guilty about racism is actually not going to heal anything. What you want them to know is that they are loved and justified. And if that's the case, then they can maybe begin to explore because they don't fear judgment or condemnation. They can begin to explore some of their own attitudes. Guilt um, drives people away and it, 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 it doesn't produce lasting change it, it's, if it's not godly. So anyways, that's a a little piece on that. Uh, moving on to Matthew. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and a perfect, and a good quote of that is Daryl Davis. Mm. Um, Daryl Davis is a um, like a uh, a musician um, who is amazing. He lives right outside of Washington D.C. A black man who has convinced over two hundred Ku Klux Klansmen to give up the Ku Klux Klan. And, uh, you know, and they were interviewing him recently, you know, about kind of because some some folks have been punched in the face. And he was like, nobody is ever one to love. Nobody's one to the other side by getting punched in the face, Mm. Um, because now what you've done is you've made them the victim. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what I mean? People are one by being loved when they're sinners. And and if you want a beautiful illustration of what St. Paul is talking about here, grace and practice. Uh, watch Daryl Davis. Yep, and he'd been a Mockingbird conference speaker in the past. Yeah, at Washington. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, all right, Matthew t- Matthew nine, good long passage here. Jesus's ministry, walking around, healing people, curing diseases, and a great line here. There's a lot of things you could do in verse thirty six. Jesus has compassion. He says <laughs> the people were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This is ground zero for a 
proper low Christian anthropology, meaning a view of people that they were not folks who can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're not people who can get better on our own. We are harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. That's a whole sermon right there. There's um, the fact that Jesus cares about people's physicality, that his ministry is not just a spiritual one and a teaching one, but also actual healing and touching people and and, and being near them and where they are. Uh, There's the calling of the disciples, and you could do sermons about the fact that it says Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. One One tax collector would have been like enough of a token horrible sinner, but Jesus has not one, but two. Um, he's got Peter who will deny him. He calls Judas Iscariot who betrays him. Even uh, just all these, all these ragtag bunch of people, he calls these people into ministry, which is amazing. Again, this is grace and practice. This is while, mm-hmm. this is, this is what Paul talks about in the Romans passage before. While we're sinners, Christ died for us. While we are flawed, knuckleheaded human beings, God calls us into ministry. So there's that, um, there is, I mean, there's just so much here. Um, I think, I think I really wish for preachers um, and all of you in the ordination, um, ask your bishops when you're ordained, if you can have specifically the last, um, the last section um, read at your ordination. None of this kind of friendly stuff, you know, have them see, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Mm. And right now, in our tense kind of political environment, uh, that is exactly uh, what you are. You are being sent as sheep amongst wolves. Uh, you are you are going out, and sometimes in moments like this, you're going to be you're screwed. There's nothing you can say to win, mm-hmm. and um, you will be devoured. And uh, and on one level, it's moments like this that. It is, um, you know, Lord, show me when to speak and show me when to shut up. That's mm-hmm. what it is to be wise as a serpent and innocent as doves. And, you know, the truth is, is that what will enable you to carry, what will carry you through this situation is to remember, and what will carry your congregation through this situation is that, um, indeed, uh, the lamb has already gone before you, and yeah. he went amidst the wolves, and he went amongst and was dragged before governors and before the synagogues and uh, you know and his testimony is tried and true Uh, he is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and man when you cling to that message people are going to go that's ridiculous kind of to bring this full circle but um uh you know fear not for it's christ who's speaking through you yeah you know i think another fascinating thing about christ's ministry is the fact that he sends the disciples into people's homes yeah. Uh, to minister to them one-on-one. And he says, don't waste your time with people that aren't going to listen to you. Uh, find a person of peace, a house of peace, and go in there. Jesus knows that societies change one person at a time, conversation by conversation, in their homes, receiving hospitality, which it's, it's that's how God comes to Abraham, in his home to receive hospitality. And uh, I think Jesus is such an incredible witness, and in, in the way that he leads this fledgling organization uh, we call the church, is he doesn't say, let's go to Rome and we're taken over. He says, we're going to start here in the Judean countryside, house by house, person by person. And he says, mm. you know, up there in Rome and up there in Jerusalem, the people in power, they're going to hate you. They're mm. going to beat you. They're going to flog you. He talks about all this stuff. And again, you read uh, the last few verses here uh, in chapter 10, being dragged before governors and kings, you'll be handed over and flogged. These things that are very real and happening on our, on CNN and Fox News every night. You can flip it on and watch cable right now and see these things happening. And 
the amazing thing is that Jesus says that even in this situation, he says to the people, the kingdom of God has come near. That's the good news. That's the message the disciples have. They not, That's right. And again, this ties back into Romans, that while you were still ungodly, Christ came to you. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. While and, you were in a corrupt political system, in a corrupt uh, economy, while the Jewish people and the Roman people and the entire world were, were sinners then, just as they are now, still the kingdom of God has come near. And it's working in this situation, even when we can't see it. That's right. That's a perfect, I mean, that's that's a good word, man. Dude. So, well, everybody, stay safe. <laughs> Don't touch your face <laughs> and preach the gospel. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, everybody. God bless. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.